Welcome to the Ardent Archives, a ministry of North Clay Baptist Church. Here we explore the writings of church history in order to edify and equip the saints in their ongoing discipleship. During this series, we are reading and discussing On the Incarnation by Athanasius of Alexandria. In this small volume, Athanasius expounds on the truths of Christ's incarnation with great precision and clarity. Written in the 4th century AD, there have been few works since that time that have come close to being as rich and concise in their explanation of this vital doctrine. So sit back and prepare to have your heart and mind engaged as we dive into On the Incarnation by Athanasius of Alexandria. Hello again and welcome to the Ardent Archives. I am your host, Drew Bieber, and I'm here once again with my co-host, Pastor Josh McDaniel. Josh, always a pleasure to sit and discuss these things. So glad to be here. And what you may uh, not realize is that, you know, Josh and I uh, sit down and talk about these sorts of things um, really all the time. Mm -hmm. And and so it's, it's it's kind of fun to put these things. Um, out there in, in, you know, sort of an audio format for y'all to kind of listen in. It's fun uh, for us. I don't know how fun it is to listen to, but I I, I enjoy sitting around and talking. <laughs> right, right. And so hopefully hopefully our discussions are, are, are beneficial and hopefully they are, you know, uh, meaningful and and they produce um, they produce good fruit in, in your life. And so continuing with our discussion of, of On the Incarnation, we have already dealt with sort of an introduction to who uh, Athanasius was, an introduction to his life and an introduction to the book. And then in our last discussion, we talked about really uh, the problem uh, that Athanasius lays out at the beginning of the book, as well as the solution, Uh, the problem being the problem of sin and the solution being uh, the word uh, taking on flesh in order to redeem mankind. And so today, what we're going to be looking at is the focus Athanasius takes on death and resurrection. And one of the things that really stands out to me when we look at these two chapters of death and resurrection is, as we've already mentioned, normally when people think of the incarnation, their mind immediately goes to Christmas time. It immediately goes to Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus in the manger. And it's interesting to me that in dealing with the incarnation, Athanasius takes time to highlight the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so why do you think uh, he, he chooses to do that, Josh? What, what, like, what's the point of that? Yeah, and I, I want to say it is, you know, it's not a wrong thing when you think about the incarnation to consider that story, you know, from uh, the scripture where you have Joseph taking Mary and she's great with child and they travel to bed. That's a good thing to focus on. In my mind, and I know I've said this to you before, uh, I think that the incarnation is the greatest miracle in all of the scripture. Right, um, right. You know, that, that the fact that God puts on skin is the greatest miracle of all time. But the work that he came to do and the reason why Athanasian, Athanasius folks focuses on it so much is because God became man so that he could live perfectly, die perfectly and raise perfectly. And so. To talk about the incarnation and to not discuss the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is to do a complete injustice to the incarnation. Right, right, and that's exactly like that's exactly the point. Is that if we if we divorce the incarnation from its purpose, there was a reason behind why Christ had to to become man, why he had right. to take on human form, and if we forget that, yeah, it, it turns. It really turns the Christmas story into a a, a great 
you know, a, a great anecdote, a great story. Well, and, which and, is and what it, the world it, tries to do, exactly. man. I mean, look at look at even movies like Talladega Nights. What do they do? They they pray, and it's this really silly little moment where he says, you know, where he's praying and he's praying to baby Jesus, you know, and he says, well, guys, that's my favorite form of Jesus. It becomes anecdotal. It becomes right, it becomes right. almost silly, you know. If if that's it, if if God becomes a baby and that's it, it, it can become just a silly and a a trite thing. But when you Look at the reason why, and it has to tie into the beginning with the fall, and he comes as a man so that he can live as a man and die as a man and raise to life as a man. Right. And we can share in those perfect instances of righteousness in his life. The We can share in the death of death, which is another uh, great book, entirely different from this one, and we can rejoice in resurrection—a perfect resurrection. That's right. That's right. And I, you know, when I think about why people want to divorce the the incarnation and the Christmas story from its its purpose in in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you know, if we as soon as we introduce those concepts uh, of Jesus having to die of Jesus being raised to life, it immediately brings in all these questions of, well, why did he need to die? And then we're immediately back to the problem. And and if I had to guess, people don't really want to deal with that problem. People don't want to have to sit and, and contemplate, okay, why did Jesus have to die for my sin? Well, because my sin is an affront to a holy God and is worthy of condemnation right. and death. Right. And as soon as I have to acknowledge that fact, all of a sudden, Every every sort of secular idea we have of humanity goes out the window. This yeah. whole you you know man is basically good. You can do anything you want to do. You have it within yourself to to rise above right. you know what, whatever it is that stands in your way. And all of a sudden we're faced with this fact that we have disobeyed. We have uh, we have dishonored the holy God, the one true holy God, and that in itself. You know, regardless, you know, and, and it's funny because people often, you know, when you when you confront them with sin, they'll say things like, well, I've never stolen anything or I never killed anybody. I've never done the big ones. Right, right. I've never done the Yeah, the quote big ones. And and the the thing is, is that regardless of how, you know, quote, big or small your, your sin is, the reality is, is that all sin is an affront to a holy God and all sin, right. regardless of how we humans may measure that sin is worthy of common, uh, condemnation and is worthy of being separated from God and is deserving of his wrath. And so it's it's always interesting to me that people want to want to have little baby Jesus in the manger, their favorite Jesus, right, you know, as, right. as Ricky Bobby likes to say. But but they don't want the the true Jesus, the God man who lived the perfect life, fulfilled the law, paid the penalty for our sins and rose again, uh, defeating sin and death once and for all. Right. And so let's kind of move into uh, what Athanasius really, you know, really points out, you know, in in the death of, of of Jesus Christ. You know, he he lays out a few a few concepts and a few ideas about why Jesus had to die in mm-hmm. a in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things that that I found interesting reading through this book is is he he sort of lays out, you know, he could have died in this way, but it would not have been public enough. Or he could have died right. in this way, but then people would have questioned it. And so uh, kind of take us into that, Josh. Why did Jesus have to die in this really horrific, really public uh, manner? Well, and and he, you know, I, I won't uh, 
belabor on any one particular moment because Athanasius does such a good job of 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 you know bringing those out and kind of expounding on them. Right. But but in particular the ones that you said why the publicity of it and why I guess the method of it. So we'll look at the publicity of it and and the method of it. With the publicity being it was in front of a, a crowd. And the method being that it was on a cross. So why publicly did this need to happen? And he, he makes the statement, you know, that that if if Jesus just came and he just died off in some sort of corner over to the side, you know, and no one knew that he died, no one knew that he had passed, uh, that uh, when he came back to life. And when he walks in front of people and says, I have been raised from the dead. Nobody would believe it. That's right. Everyone would look at it and say, you didn't die. And he's like, well, yeah, actually I did. It was, you know, it was last Tuesday. You know, I was, no one was around, but no, it had to be a public death because his resurrection, his overcoming death, his conquering death, it had to be publicly acknowledged. And in order for it to be publicly acknowledged, his death had to be publicly visible. Right, right. And so, you know, if he had come and if he had died, or even if there was just a few friends around, you know, even if even if there had just been a couple, well, you can just dismiss that as as they're just they're heart sick, you know, about losing their friend, and 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 you know. Um, you know, they, they want to believe that he's back, but he's really not. That's just something right, that's heart right. sick that's going on. Um, no, it had to be a public death because it needed to be a public resurrection. Right. And it's funny because, you know, when it comes to pretty much anything else, we demand some measure of proof. Right. Right. If I told you, hey, Josh, I woke up and ran a four minute mile this morning. You'd ask me, prove it. Or you'd ask me, well, then do it again and show me. Yeah, right? something and, like and, that. And, and if my response, well, I don't know if I could do it again. You know, I make up all these excuses about why why I can do it when no one's watching. But right. but, but as soon as I'm, I'm put under the microscope, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can replicate it again. Right? It's It just makes everyone go, yeah. Hogwash. Yeah. I, I don't believe you. You're yeah, a liar. You didn't really right? do that. You know, exactly. It's, that's the mindset we immediately go to. And it's natural. You know, in a fallen world, there's a lot of things to disbelieve. You know, and so that's why this had to be such a big and broadly seen execution so that there was a big and broadly seen resurrection so that right. we know the faith we have is in this incarnate deity. And we don't have to spend too much time on this, but there are extra biblical records of the death of Jesus. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and even in uh, in the scriptures, there are uh, particular markers, you know, such as, you know, in, in during the reign of Herod, you know, during mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, by the hand of Pontius Pilate, you know, th- there are specific things, historical markers that are placed in the scriptures so that we can, we can actually tie it to history. Yeah. If it was just sort of like, well, it happened and you need to believe it. You know, then we would go, well, again, prove it. Yeah. And, and by placing these historical markers, it almost it almost raises the bar by saying, hey, you can actually look at the actual history. Yeah. And you can verify these things. These things are true. Yeah. It these sets really it in happen. reality versus, right, right. you know, you've got other parallels, you know, where you see a Christocentric figure who dies and raises again. And it's fiction. It's a complete work of fiction. Uh, and and. Because it's not set in reality, oh, it's just it's just out there. It's just this mythos. Right. But because this is set in reality, no, there's gravitas to it. Right, and all of a right. sudden, testimony of people who are around there hold weight that's not just a fanciful story. 
it's a reality to be believed in and trusted in. Right, right. And so why? So, so we understand now why it had to be this this sort of public uh, display. Why mm-hmm. this wasn't something that you know just sort of uh, kind of like you said, kind of happened in a corner where no one was watching. But why? Why crucifixion? Yeah. Why, why? Why did it have to be this sort of you know super gruesome and and horrific method of of, of execution? Yeah, and 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 you know to date, crucifixion might be the worst. Uh, sentenced to death of all time, you know, or certainly the most grueling, or, 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 uh, or, or the one that calls the most. I mean, it was it was very well designed to be a long lasting, torturous, <laughs> yes, yeah. bit of. Uh, it's a awful way to be killed. Well, and some people may not realize, you know, when when we think of crucifixion, obviously, what comes to mind is is nails. Uh, you know, being, you know, piercing hands and feet. But the way you actually die from crucifixion is by suffocation. Yes. It's it's not by, you know, blood loss or, you know, like this sort of instantaneous, you know, blunt force trauma or anything like that. Like you slowly die because you're suffocating. Right. And it's something that I'll even tell our kids here is that, that you know, when you died on a cross, because of the way your body was contorted and twisted, and because of exhaustion, you would lean over and you wouldn't be able to to breathe out correctly. You could breathe in very easily, but you had to straighten up your body and move your your uh, posture in a way to where you could breathe out. Right. And so, yeah, you eventually just suffocated from exhaustion. And 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 what an awful way to go. So why the crucifixion? Why the cross of all things? And and Athanasius brings it to light. And it is this mindset. Well, what if, why didn't Jesus choose a different way to die? Why didn't he die from, you know, uh, being killed in a battle, you know, or, you know, the sword, or why didn't he die from this means or that means? And, and one of the, the things that he brings up is he said, well, Jesus didn't Jesus subjected himself to crucifixion. He didn't go up to the Pharisees and say, crucify me. He allowed them to pick the means by which they were going to kill him. Right. Now, he had prophesied it uh, you know, through Isaiah and through the prophets. I mean, thousands of years prior. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it was already set in stone what was going to happen. But the Pharisees themselves, the Sadducees, they chose the means by which he was going to be killed. Uh, you know, the, the mob mentality, what shall I do with this Jesus when Pontius Pilate asked that to the crowd? They shout up there, crucify him. Right, right. And why is that? Why did Jesus allow that means to happen? And Athanasius points out, well, if he had... If he had chosen to die of sickness and then come back to life, people might say, well, he could only conquer sickness. He could only conquer death that comes from sickness. Right, right. Or if he had been raised to life after being stabbed through, people might say, well, he picked that one and... That's the only one that he could conquer. Right, right. But by allowing the crowd to choose his means of death, by letting them shout crucify and seeing they were clearly ready to bring their worst to the table. Right. By subjecting himself to that, by being crucified, by suffering on the cross, and then rising to life after that, it was to showcase 
his incredible power that says you can bring whatever you want against me. Whatever means you devise to tear me down, I will raise back to life. You cannot keep me and my power in the grave. Right. And, and in keeping with our, our metaphor of running a four-minute mile, it'd be interesting if I said, well, yeah, I could do it, but... The only way you can measure is if you use this track, and I won't let you measure how far the track is. Right. And then you can only use this particular watch, and you can't use any other. We, we, we can't go anywhere else, and you can't right. use any other instrument to, to, to measure my speed. Right. right. And to measure my time. It, it, would, it would call into question just about just about every every aspect of 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 what I'm claiming. Right. Okay, okay, he he was able to die and rise again, but was it a was it a trick? Was it an illusion? I mean, we see, you know, we've seen magicians cut people in half. Oh, yes. And 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 put them back together, you know, but clearly that's an illusion. They can only do it under particular circumstances. Right. And by allowing the the Jews to to pick the method of execution by allowing the the crowds and the Pharisees to to pick this method of execution. He's he's basically again putting to rest any doubt that right. that this wasn't this wasn't a trick. I, I I did not choose this method. I did not choose these circumstances under which my death would take place. But but y'all did. Right. You you chose this, and yet I was still able to overcome it. You right? shouted at the top of your lungs. This is the one you wanted. Right. Right. I'll take it. And I will rise again from it, you know. And, and so it shows the mastery of of who he is, mm-hmm. you know, that he is master and Lord even over death and even over the means by which he dies, no matter what you pick. Uh, and it, it, it just dives even deeper to the greatness of Christ and to his incarnation, that this man who suffered that was God. That he was the Word incarnate, right? Um, right. And and we look at the the importance of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the Bible is clear. Without the resurrection, we are most among all men to be pitied. The Apostle Paul writes about right, that. Right. Without the resurrection, everything in Christianity falls apart. And that's why the resurrection has been under most attack. Of any of the other things mentioned in the Bible, if you can disprove the resurrection, then you can disprove all of Christianity. Right. The whole thing just falls apart. Right. James Cameron came out with a documentary, uh, man, it's been a long time ago now, where he said that he was going to take these filmmakers and these archaeologists and they were going to go find the body of Jesus. And of course it failed dismally, you know, and, and he, he couldn't imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. Uh, but the reason why he went out there to do it is because this is the greatest scandal of all time that Jesus who was dead is now alive. And, and, and if that can, if we can find his body, if, if that resurrection can be disproven, then all of Christianity has failed. And it shows you what he's at war against. Right, right. He's, he's not at, he's not an archaeologist. He's a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. But he's not going out to try to, to find some great archaeological find. He is looking to disprove Christianity. And it shows you the stakes by which we live. If the resurrection isn't true, then nothing that we have claimed is to be believed in. Right. Uh, and it, that's why, and I kind of, right now, the, uh, I, so in apologetics, the defense of, uh, uh, of Christianity, the defense of the position we hold, the belief we have, uh, in apologetics, there's, you know, a few different kinds and the, and the real, uh, I guess the, 
the one that's being used most in this time and day uh, is is presuppositional apologetics. Right. You know, and it's and it's good and it's healthy and it's wonderful. But I've always tended to be more of the evidentialist, uh, which is kind of where Athanasius goes in this, in that you cannot disprove Christianity because of the evidence that is before you. And the evidence I always lean at is is the evidence of the resurrection. You know, now these other methods of apologetics are wonderful and I use them as well all the time. You right, know? right. Uh, but I've always held closely to the resurrection is that is that is the evidence that we live by. And so therefore it's the evidence I'm going to always be first to bring up right, as right, an apologetic exactly. before I bring up all these, uh, all the other ones. And I do bring up all the other ones as well. Uh, but I love the fact that the incarnation, this child who is born, this word incarnate, he came as a child. He didn't stay as a child. He grew up as a perfect man who died in a public execution, the means by which they wanted to kill him so that he could rise to life so that everything that we have said here is validated that, yes, it is true. Yes, it is to be believed. God really did come. We really have been saved because of his sacrifice on the cross. Those things are validated because of the resurrection. And Athanasius doesn't leave it at the stable. He takes it to an empty tomb. And that's exactly right. And Athanasius, when he refers to the resurrection of Jesus, he, he doesn't refer to it as, as a fact that needs to be proven. Right. right? Often when we present the, the resurrection to people, we almost present it as, well, if this is true, then everything else follows. Right. And, and the, but, but the way Athanasius lays it out there is not a, well, if this is true, but all right, the fact is it is true. Yeah, and since it's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. Th- 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 this, is exactly, this is exactly the case because it is true. Yeah. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't lay it out as a fact that needs to be proven, but, but as, as the fact that proves, that proves everything. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he not only uh, lays out the fact that the resurrection is proven in history, but he also lays out the fact that the resurrection is proven in the life of of believers. Yeah. And, and he talks about the fact that these these followers of Jesus, these 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 Christians no longer fear death, even even marveling at the fact that women and children no longer fear death. And there are several cultures and 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 maybe even religions, you know, throughout uh, world history that have viewed death as something glorious, have viewed death as something that 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 we can find um you know, uh, glory in or, or, or honor in, but, but at no time in world history, do, do we look at death and, and mock death as, as something that has no power and something that has no, no no victory whatsoever. And I I love the way that Athanasius sums this up, sums this up. I'm going to, I'm going to quote from the book here. He says, so has death been conquered and branded for what it is by the savior on the cross. It is bound hand and foot. All who are in Christ trample it as they pass, and witnesses to him deride it, scoffing and saying, O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? We hope that you enjoyed this discussion of On the Incarnation, and we hope that it has been edifying to you and your walk with Christ. 
Now, this conversation is by no means exhaustive, so we pray that our discussion sparks meaningful conversations with friends and family as we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ during this holiday season. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact us at podcasts at northclay.org. We look forward to learning with you again soon here on the Ardent Archives.